0: Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. Today we have seen Seenensalmers speaking about a certain kind of heart surgery that had to happen in Peter's life to teach him about humility. Looking into John 21 we will learn about the background story during the Last Supper and how Peter denied Jesus and how after the resurrection Jesus talked with Peter. During today's sermon we will learn more about different kinds of love and how Peter realized that he could not live up to his own standards when it came to loving Jesus and how he followed Jesus to feed the sheep. Now, this is Senum. Yeah, so it's good to be here this morning. i glad to bring a message from God's Word to share with you all. Um, I wanted to start off with this illustration of the heart. And specific, specifically of surgery, of what happens when a doctor cuts in when he opens up the chest to work on a heart, he sees everything that's happened to that heart throughout its life. It can be either very healthy, in a very good condition, red, um, lean, or sometimes if someone's life has involved a lot of bad health, it can look like the heart in the right, where it's all covered in this yellow fat, and it's very unhealthy. It's not carrying them through life as well as it could. And I wanted to relate it to this verse from Scripture. Um, In the small group, we've been going through the book of Hebrews. And this is a verse we read recently. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the word of God is like the scalpel that cuts in and reveals the heart. The word of God, when you hear it, when you let it hit your soul, will open you up and will show you what your heart is, what your attitude is toward God, toward his word. And that's what we're looking at today. So we're going to be looking at the gospel of John and specifically at Peter. Um, The main passage we're going to be looking at is in John 21, um, starting in verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. So what we have in this conversation here, in this first part of it, is this is this repeated exchange where Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? And where Peter responds. Um, And that happens three times. And then in the, the next slide, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the very beginning of the Gospel of John. We're going to look, where did Peter start off with Jesus? And how did his journey lead him to this conversation? What is going on in this conversation where Jesus asks Peter if he loves him, and Peter responds. What exactly is happening there? Um, And then finally, what's the significance of this thing Jesus says at the end about Peter stretching out his hands and being carried where he does not want to go? Um, Yeah, so when at the beginning of verse 15 where it says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. There's already a lot of questions that we can ask just looking at that first part of the verse. Why is it that Jesus says to Peter, Simon, son of John, and not Peter or Simon Peter? Why does Jesus pull Peter aside in the first place to have this conversation? Right, He was eating breakfast with seven of the disciples, and then he pulls Peter aside to talk about this. Um, What is this whole situation where Jesus and the disciples have been eating breakfast? And then how does Peter's history relate to everything that's happening here? These are some questions we can ask. So to look back to John chapter 1, Jesus was with John the Baptist, and this is the day after Jesus had been baptized. He was back with John the Baptist and talking with a lot of John's disciples there. And he called a couple of them to follow him. That's Andrew and the Apostle John, who's writing the gospel. Then Andrew spoke with Jesus and found his own brother. So he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. And then when Simon came to Jesus, Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. So from the very beginning, Jesus looked at Peter and knew who he was. He knew his history. He knew he was Simon, son of John. And he said to Peter, this will be your new name. You will leave the old behind, and you'll come to follow me. So after years of walking with Jesus in ministry, um. As Jesus is about to be betrayed and turned over, we look at the night of the Last Supper, where Jesus has just sent Judas away and is sitting with the remaining 11 disciples. At the beginning of this conversation with his disciples, Jesus tells them two things. First, he says that he'll go away, and that in doing so, he'll glorify God. So John chapter thirteen verse thirty one, when he had gone out, Jesus said, "Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him at once." Little children, yet a little while, I am with you, so you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I will also say. So now I also say to you where I am going, you cannot come. So here Jesus tells his disciples that he is going. He's going to die. And in his death, he's going to glorify God. And he also says, where I am going, you cannot follow. This is something that Jesus himself is the only one qualified and able to do, to go and die for our sins as a perfect sacrifice. Then after telling of his death, Jesus gives his disciples a commandment. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you, are, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we have these two things going on here. Jesus telling of his death, saying that he will glorify God and that his disciples cannot follow. In a new commandment, he says, you cannot follow, but you can love one another. You should love one another. And that is how people will know that you follow me. So then Peter responds to that. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. So Peter heard these two things. And instead of hearing the commandment, which is what Jesus told him and the other disciples to do and to listen to and to obey, and that is how people will know that they are his disciples, Peter instead looks only at where Jesus is going and says, but I'm, I, I can go with you. Why would you go alone? I'll go with you, Jesus. Because I can do it. right? Notice also that he doesn't say, Actually, let's go to the the next verse. So Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay lay down my life for you. So Peter knows that this involves laying down his life, that Jesus is going to sacrifice himself for his disciples and for all of us. And Peter says, Lord, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for you. He doesn't say, why can we not follow you, right? He's not talking about all of the disciples. He says, even if you said to all of them, they can't follow you, surely I can follow you, right? Jesus, I love you. I can lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, Jesus answered will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Right, and when he says, the rooster will not crow, we can read this just as something that happens all the time, sort of unpredictably, but it's very frequent. So in Vienna, we might say, you won't hear a siren go by until you have denied me three times. Right, Jesus is saying this will happen soon. This will happen just as normally and as regularly as you hear a rooster crow, something that happens all the time. So to recap where we've been so far, Jesus called Simon out and gave him a new name, Peter, said, you will follow me, you will no longer be Simon, son of John, you will leave your past behind. And you will be Peter, you will be a rock. Peter grew closer to Jesus over those years, to the point where he was one of only 11 who shared this last meal with Jesus. At that meal, Jesus said that he was going to go to glorify God, to lay down his life. And he told his disciples, love one another, right? I will lay down my life. You should love one another. But Peter says, clearly that doesn't mean me, right? You're talking to the other 10, I will lay down my life for you because I love you. I will go your way. Not do as you've commanded, but I can go. I, I can do even better than you have commanded. I can lay down my life for you. But then with this prophecy that Peter would deny him, Jesus opened up his heart and showed him, you don't have this kind of love that you think you do. You are not so devoted, that you would lay down your life for me, you won't even be able to say that you follow me in only a few hours. Because this is later that same night that Jesus was arrested and taken to the high priest for trial. So as I'm sure you, you have all heard before, Jesus was praying in the garden with his disciples and Judas brought people there to arrest Jesus and take him away. Peter would have none of it. And he pulled out his sword and even tried to kill the high priest's servant, just barely missed and cut off his ear instead, which Jesus put right back on and said, Peter, don't do that. Right? Um, And now we're here at the high priest, and Jesus has gone in to be tried. John the apostle went in with him because he knew the the high priest's people and he was familiar in that context. Um, Then after going in with Jesus, John comes back out to get Peter to come in and join them to sit with the trial, to hear and possibly defend Jesus. So when John is bringing Peter to the door to bring him into the high priest's chambers for the trial, the girl who watches the door asks Peter who he is. She needs to check that he's someone who actually has a reason to be going in and not just some random guy, right? So the servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And Peter, Peter just says, I am not. Yeah, even, even to this girl watching the door, he can't admit to being one of Jesus' disciples, who just a few hours ago he said that he would die for Jesus now he doesn't want to be associated with this man who's being brought up for a, a shameful trial to be executed in public. So Peter needed to wait outside. As he didn't associate him with himself with Jesus, he had no reason to be in there. So Peter waited outside with the servants and the soldiers and things like that. And out here he was asked twice more and denied twice more. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Let's just think about this for a second. This is a guy who's thinking to himself, Didn't didn't you just cut off my relative's ear? I really thought I saw you do that. And Peter says, Peter denies it. He says, no, that I wasn't out there. You must be thinking of something else, right? Even in front of this man who clearly recognizes the guy who cut off his relative's ear. But Peter denies it. He cannot associate himself with Jesus. Now that things have turned bad, his love has gone away and at once a rooster crowed. So you have to imagine Peter in this situation. He realizes that Jesus was right when he said, you can't lay down your life for me because you you can't even commit to me with your words, let alone commit to me with your actions and die, die for me. You can't lay down your life as I will. That's not the kind of love that you have, Peter. That's not who you are. So, after this, Jesus dies and, resur- and, and is resurrected. There's a few situations where he meets with his disciples, and then this is at the very end of the Gospel of John in chapter 21, this is the last scene that we see. And Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. So seven of the disciples, listed in verse 2, were together, and Peter said, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now because they were not and now they were not able to haul it in, because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, that's the apostle John who's writing this account, therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land but about a hundred yards off. So they're out fishing at night, getting some food, and they're having no success whatsoever. Jesus comes and he tells them, cast your net on the other side. He provides for them food. And when Peter hears that this is Jesus, he rushes right in. He does not wait for the boat to make it to shore. He jumps into the water and swims in. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. One thing that's interesting to note here is when it says they saw a charcoal fire in place. There's only one other place in the Gospel of John where it mentions a charcoal fire, and that's when Peter is standing outside warming himself, denying Jesus. Yeah? So what John does here is he draws a parallel between these two situations. He says... Yeah, Peter was standing by a charcoal fire before. And then the only other time in the gospel it mentions a charcoal fire happens to be here, right? And we'll see more parallels come up as we keep going. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Probably enough for eight of them for breakfast, I think. Um, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and, ha- come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So this is the context. This is what leads us up to this conversation on the shore of the Sea of Galilee after Jesus has just eaten breakfast with his disciples. He pulls Peter aside, they go for a walk, and while they're walking, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the other disciples that we were just with? He said to him, "Yes, Lord, you know that I love you." He said to him, "Feed my lambs." So this is interesting. At a first look, this looks like Jesus is or this looks like Peter is saying rather, "Yes, that's totally right. I love you more than they do." But that's not quite what's going on here. And to see that, you have to look a little bit into the Greek. Yeah, so this doesn't show up in English and German translation because we don't have the same words for love that the Greeks did. Yeah? Um, so there's four different words in ancient Greek that all show up in the Bible and all translate into English as love and into German as Liebe. The issue, though, is that these are different concepts. Right? They're not the same thing, and they, don't, they can't be interchanged. Two examples of these are agape, unconditional love, sacrificial love, the love that God has for us and commands us to have for each other, to have for our enemies, to have for everyone. Right? This love where we see in each person a soul that God has created for whom Jesus died and for whom all of creation exists for each one of us to live in it. That's the kind of big-picture love, agape love, that has nothing to do with whether you like someone or whether you get along well with them or whether you can benefit from them. It's this unconditional love, agape. And you can compare that to philia. It's usually used for close friendships, brotherly love. Um, if the city in the United States, Philadelphia, was named, that, was named after the same word, Philadelphia, Philia. It was supposed to be the city of brotherly love. Um, and we can look at a couple examples of where these words show up in Scripture to kind of understand a bit better what each of them means. So for agape, we see in John chapter 15, verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So here the word they use for love is agape. There is no greater agape, there is no greater unconditional love than this, that you would lay down your life for your friend, that even at harm to yourself, you would love them. You can contrast this with philia. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Agape love is a kind of love that God commands us to have, that as Christians, the Holy Spirit helps to grow in us. It's not a love that we, we see associated with just people in the world. That's how they interact with each other. right? Agape is this kind of Christian set apart. This is who God is calling you to be in love. When it says God is love, agape is the word used there. Philia, on the other hand, is something we see in the world. It's when two people are very close and friends. When two people have a close relationship with each other and affection for each other and walk together. That's what it says, the world would love you as its own if you were not set apart as I have called you to be. Another place where we see agape love is in a verse that we read earlier where Jesus gives his disciples a new commandment. All throughout this verse, it's agape, 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 agape. A new commandment I have given to you that you love, agape love, unconditional love, one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So the kind of love that Jesus has commanded his disciples to have is not just as friends out in the world as normally develops between people, but this kind of agape, sacrificial, unconditional love that in the Bible we see specially associated with God and with God's people. So let's relate these two concepts back to what we read in John 21. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? Do you have agape love for me? And Peter says, You know that I love you with filial love. Jesus says to Peter, Do you have unconditional love for me? Do you love me no matter what? Do you love me even to the point of laying down your own life? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you as a friend you know that the love that I have for you is not this agape love that you ask, let alone more than the other disciples, but that it is, it is this friendship love. It's this love based on conditions. I do not have for you the kind of love that you ask of me. So Jesus asks, do you love me more than these? And in humility, Peter responds... I love you as a friend. I care about you. Might be a good way if we wanted to translate that using different words. Right, Jesus asks, "Would you die for me?" And Peter says, "You know that I care about you, Lord." Right, there's a mismatch here. This isn't Peter saying, "Yes, I love you more than these." This is Peter saying, "Lord, I do love you, but not not as you ask." I don't have that strength yet. So if we look at the second exchange, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This agape love. But this time it's not, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than all of these other disciples? It's just, do you have this kind of love for me at all? Right? And Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. This philia love, I care about you right? Still, Peter is recognizing where he is. He says, Lord, I don't don't have the kind of love you've commanded me to have. This is what I've got. This is where I am. And I know that I need to grow further. And so the first time Jesus said, feed my lambs, this time he says, tend to my sheep. So Jesus asked again, do you love me? with this agape love, and Peter again responds in humility and says, I love you. I care about you. But I'm not there yet. So the third time that Jesus speaks to Peter, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me with philia love? Jesus asks, do you love me as a friend? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And we can read this in a a certain way now that we know that these words have been changing throughout, right? It's not only Peter was grieved because this is the third time that Jesus asked this, but also because this third time Jesus has lowered his expectation even further and said, do you have this? friendship, love for me? I know you don't have this unconditional love for me, let alone more than the other disciples, but do you have this friendship, love for me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So Jesus asked the final time, do you love me? Do you have this filial love for me? Peter is grieved for two reasons here. One, because Jesus has done this three times. Because Jesus has brought him to this situation after Peter has denied Jesus three times, which has to have been just working over and over in Peter's mind since then. Right. I, I can only imagine how after that rooster crowed, Peter realized what happened. And that must have been weighing on his soul from then all the way up until now when Peter realizes Jesus is here to restore him. When Peter is here to close this and say, Peter, who you are, what you have to give, This is something I can accept. And this is what I can ask of you. And the other reason he's grieved, of course, is like I said before, because he realizes that Jesus is needed in this conversation to lower his standards to meet where Peter was. Peter is grieved because he realizes, I don't have this unconditional love that Jesus asks of me. And he responds again in humility, I love you. So throughout this conversation, we've kind of seen this stepping down, right? Where Jesus says, do you love me more than these? And Peter responds, I love you. Not agape love, and certainly not more than the other disciples. But I love you as a friend, Jesus. And I... I pray that you would accept me as I am and bring me closer to you. Jesus asks the second time, well, do you have the agape love for me at all? And then Peter says, I love you. I have this friendship love for you, and that's all I've got. And then finally, the last time, Jesus asks Peter, do you really have this friendship love for me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I do. You know everything, and you know that I do. I've told you twice, and I'm telling you a third time, and you know already that I love you. And after each one of these, Jesus tells Peter to feed his sheep, to feed Jesus's sheep, to take the love that he has and care for his fellow Christians with him. So on to the last part of this passage, right, where Jesus ties up the last of these loose ends from earlier in the in the Gospel of John. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. And another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. So we can look at the structure of this. Jesus says to Peter, You used to dress yourself, you used to walk wherever you wanted. In your old life, your choices were your own. You were whoever you wanted to be. And as we see from Peter's character time and time again throughout the Gospels, this includes this arrogance, this thought that not only I am great, I, I, Simon, son of John, am the best, but I, Peter, am the greatest of the disciples. I can die for you, Jesus, even when these others cannot. Surely you don't mean I can't die for you, because of course I can. Right? This determination of himself. But then Jesus says, you will stretch out your hands. So when you were young, you dressed yourself, and you used to walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. This last instance where we see Jesus saying, you will, He's, the last action that he gives to Peter in this passage is he says, you will stretch out your hands. And of course, church tradition tells us that Peter was crucified, right? That he was put up on a cross and that that's how he died as a martyr. Jesus says, another will dress you, another will carry you where you do not want to go. Follow me. And we can even look, look a little bit back in John chapter 13. So Jesus ends this thing about stretching out his hands by saying, follow me. In John chapter 13, he said, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. So Jesus is taking this promise, this prophecy that he gave, and he's telling Peter this still will be fulfilled. Yes, you denied me and yes, you you do not perfectly fulfill my commandments. But that's not what matters. What matters is that you love me as you can and that you continue to walk toward this standard that I've set. And you will follow me. You will glorify God. So John says in 21, verse 19, and if you look in your Bible, it's probably in a pair of parentheses because this is John's commentary. Um, This was to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. To glorify God. God. And this again matches up to what we saw Jesus saying about his own death before. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Jesus' death brought glory to God. And And John tells us that what Jesus said to Peter here, Showed by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. So from the very beginning of the Gospel of John through to the end, we see Jesus speaking to Peter, opening up his heart, preparing to show him what's there, to show him, no, you aren't this super person you think you are, with amazing, unconditional love for everyone. In fact, you're someone who needs salvation as much as anyone else. And still, I will give you my grace. I will give you my love. And I will bring you to the kind of love that will show that you are one of my disciples. And in the end, you will lay down your life for me as you now think you could. Right? You're not there now but you will eventually come to the point where you do have the love that it takes to lay down your life for me. So that's all well and good for Peter. That kind of shows us the trajectory of his story from the beginning of the gospel to the end. But how can we possibly apply this to our own lives? Well, we can look at this song that we sang earlier with this chorus, Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. So we can reflect on what we mean when we, when we say this. When we say three times, I love you. I love Jesus. What are we talking about? Are we talking about this unconditional love that we would lay down our lives, that we would die for God's glory? Are we talking about this kind of friendship love that Peter talks about where we like to be associated with God and to walk with God, but we're not ready to make that kind of sacrifice? Or is it something entirely different? Regardless of what love we have for God, what love we have for Jesus. We need God to show us that so that we know where we stand, so that we can walk toward who God wants us to be. So we can pray that God's word will cut into each of us as it did into Peter, showing us our heart and teaching us humility, teaching us this ability To know that we are not the best Christians we could be. To know where it is we truly stand. To see clearly as God sees us where we are. We can pray that God the Holy Spirit will fill us and turn our hearts toward him so that we may have this unconditional love for him that he asks us to. The same kind of love with which he loves us. We can look at where Jesus tells Peter, feed my sheep. After each time Peter said, I love you, I care for you, I'm a friend to you. Jesus said, okay, you love me. This is the love you have for me. Now take that and feed my sheep. The love you have for me, show love toward each other show love toward the church. And we can take that application wherever we are in our walk, whatever kind of love we have for God. Let's do as Jesus asked Peter to and to turn that love toward each other. And then finally, just as in his death, Peter was to glorify God, we can glorify God in everything we do. We can make that our goal even if it brings us suffering. So, unconditional love for God, unconditional love for one another, and glorifying God even in suffering. These are goals to have. These are where God asks us to walk toward. But even though we're not there, even though that's not the kind of love that we show God, even though that's not the kind of love we show each other, and even though we may not take every opportunity to glorify God. God still loves us. He still has this unconditional love for us. He still died so that we could live and so that we could grow closer to him. So, I pray that as we go into this week that God would show us where we are, that God's word would discern our thoughts and intentions of the heart. that he would bring us closer to him. Thank you.